want to make the vision probably more singly focused for a year ahead than we've ever done in our church before. Sometimes for those people who are new to our church, uh, maybe you haven't seen me deliver a vision Sunday before, uh, there's been some Sundays where we've had like a whole flyer and I've, I've had all these categories and I've had all the, like I've had six goals under each category. I think we did that last year and that was cool. It was like a whole menu of the various goals and things we we're going to focus on. But this season... And this timing right now for where we are as a church actually is quite different. And the Lord has really uh, grabbed a hold of me and said that uh, like no other year before in this church, do we need to be more singly focused uh, than we have ever been before in order for us to go into our promises. And um, so who's excited about that? being singly focused with the vision and really knowing exactly clearly what it is so that we can run with it and not have to worry about any uh, issues to do with motivation uh, towards really pursuing what it is that God has for us. So let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time. We thank you, Lord, as I release the vision, Lord, that it's going to be a powerful time. And we thank you, Lord, for your anointing in this house, in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. One little quick note of housekeeping because it's extra, extra important because we have a lot of our team away today. I just need to make sure the AV team, can you give me a thumbs up that we are recording the message? Excellent. All right. Thank you. Okay. So uh, for 2017, Vision Sunday, as you can see behind me, um, I'm calling the Vision Pursue. And uh, that's really what we're going to be doing. We're going to be pursuing the Vision with a singular focus uh, for 2017 like never before. And when you think about the word pursue, it's really about going after it and chasing after it. And I think in order to really go for something and to chase after it, you actually have to simplify it and you have to be able to focus on it and limit distractions. Who believes that? And so you're going to see a lot of what I'm uh, focusing on today and what the Lord wants me to share today is going to be related to this theme of pursue. So now I want to move to the next slide, which is telling you a little bit about our story and to start off with, again, because sometimes, you know, when you're, when you're releasing a vision, people, you know, have been here for uh, seven months. Some people have been here for a couple of years. And so to refresh, uh, you know, Sarah and I have been uh, doing this church for six years. And we started with a handful of people in our living room. We've had some good seasons, we've had some interesting seasons, and we've had some challenging seasons. Who thinks that that's probably similar to life? Right, And like any family, you go through some ups and downs. But with our story, I wanted to share this with you, that Sarah comes from a ministry family. So she was raised uh, by uh, ministers, and uh, you know, they used to say grace when they uh, ate food, and they'd pray together, and she you know, went to church pretty much from the time she was born. And uh, her whole life is under that atmosphere of, of not only believing God and uh, loving God and serving God, but also believing in passionately and serving the house of God as well. Uh, whereas for me, my story is very different, and I came from a non-Christian family, very broken, dysfunctional family, with a lot of uh, alcohol abuse and emotional uh, abuse. And it was uh, very much a shattered family where we kind of went all in different directions. And uh, pretty much if you weren't loud, you weren't heard and you weren't paid attention to. That was pretty much how to describe the culture of my family. That's why the AV team probably never needs to turn my microphone up, right? (laughs) Uh, So, (laughs) bless them. Uh, So for my background coming into the kingdom of God... I uh, 
you know, went down into a spiral of three years from the age of 18 to 21 where I was smoking a packet of cigarettes a day and I was drinking lots and taking drugs and my life became out of control. A lot of you heard my testimony. This is not giving my testimony today, but just to give you a snapshot, I I prayed to God. Uh, Jesus came into my life. I got miraculously uh, saved and healed. My life completely turned around to the point where I had to tell all my drug dealers not to come to my birthday because I was now a Christian. It was hilarious. I became uh, a Christian a couple of weeks before my birthday. Amen. And so my life dramatically changed. And uh, I got, uh, you know, when I came into the, to the house of God, I'll never forget there was a particular day within the first six months of me being a Christian. And I, I walked in to the house of God. It was this, this, uh, this house of God in Sydney. And I walked in. They were having a conference. And I just walked in. And within the first minute... My heart was just pounding. So I was already a Christian, and, uh, and I was developing my relationship with the Lord, but I walked into this place, and there was such a presence of God. And can I just say, the number one word I would describe that this house had was life. It was alive, right? Uh, the, the power of God and just the presence of God in people, and you could see that it was a family, and it was alive, and they were together, and they were united, and they had a common cause, and the worship, and, and just the fellowship. And, and I walked into this place, and I said, wow, this is amazing. This is the house of God. And in that moment, I fell in love with the house of God. I was already in love with Jesus, but I fell in love with the thing that he died for, the church. And uh, still to this day, I am in love with the house of God. And so I wanted to let you know that when it comes to our story, we've had lots of prophetic words and we've had lots of encouragement and we know there's a call in our life uh, to raise up a team and to build the house of God on the earth today. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. But I just wanted to share with you before we launch the vision that this comes from a, this vision today comes from a personal heartbeat it comes from a, a, a living human being story. We are human. We're not perfect. Uh, we try our best. But everything that we do in terms of the blood, sweat, and tears that comes into what we do at Forever House comes from the heartbeat that God has given us for the house of God. Is that cool? So I wanted to start with that afresh today. Recently, though, um, just about 18 months ago, we had the privilege of going with Greg and Julie over to America to the Global uh, Christian International Conference, um, and that was uh, held in Florida. And we'd been there a couple of times. In fact, we'd gone there uh, once before we uh, launched the church, and it was interesting because it's very rare, even if you go into prophetic-style churches, with uh, which you know most CI churches are very much that that flavor. Uh, and, uh, you know, where they prophesy and that type of thing. But even still, it's not common for you to get a prophetic word that's sung over you, right? It's common to get a prophetic word that's spoken over you. But it's very rare for a prophetic word to get sung over you. It happens at times, but it's very rare where the, the, someone who's got the microphone who's singing, who's the worship leader, sings a prophetic word over you. Well, the, the, the day that we were there at this conference, this is before we planted this church, just maybe four or five months before we planted this church, we had uh, session one, the worship leader, of this church, uh, just you know, and there was you know probably what three to four thousand people there, uh, just started prophesying over us and singing this prophetic word about uh, about us starting a church and planning a church, and that God was on it and God was for it, and and He was just prophesying through song, and we're just kind of like, 
wow, this is pretty cool, right? In a way, it was kind of different, and it was, but it was just, I think it was a way of God really getting our attention. You may have heard this story before, but I think it's, per, it's important to, to say it again, is that then we had like a little morning tea break after session one, and then session two happened, and they decided to do some worship before the speaker came up for session two. Now, what you don't realize is, is that the worship leader's wife is also on the team, but she wasn't in, she wasn't at the church for session one. She had something going on with the kids. So she actually didn't know that her husband sang a prophetic word over us, right? So she comes into session two and she starts worship leading where her husband's just on the keys. She's got no idea that her husband has prophesied over us through song. She doesn't even know us. She knows of us, but doesn't really know us out of a crowd of 3,000 people. So during worship, get this, she starts, she points us out and starts to prophetically prophesy over us through song. About you're going to plant a church and God's all over it and blah, 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 blah. Now, what you got to understand is they had no idea. Well, she typically had no idea. When she found out, she said, in the whole time that they've been in ministry, they've never seen anyone get two prophetic words in a row being sung over them. So is that because we're special? No. Is it because we're called? Yes. But what I'm trying to highlight here is God in that moment was grabbing a hold of our hearts and letting us know this. It doesn't matter what comes against you. It doesn't matter who speaks against you. It doesn't matter who doubts you, who doesn't agree with you, who doesn't like you. God is for you, Brad and Sarah. So when I, when I come this morning with this vision, I come with that sense of understanding that not in us, but in God, we have the authority. It doesn't matter what goes on. We're called to build forever house, and we, it comes from a heartbeat, knowing that God's for us. And if God's for us, who can be against us? Who believes that? So I want to start this morning to say that whoever you are, wherever you are in the life journey of this house, we want to welcome you here this morning. We're encouraged to see you here on Vision Sunday and be ready because we believe that God is for what uh, is happening here at Forever House. And we invite you to come on this exciting journey with us. So the why factor is really uh, important. And why are we wanting to build Forever House? And why are we wanting to build the house of God? Well, first of all, uh, I've explained a couple of the, the things about our story. But also, I think the important thing is this, is that uh, never before, I believe, never before, uh, is the house of God or even Christianity scrutinized than it is today. Uh, with the reality of uh, the way the world is, that uh, more and more... Uh, you know, where you see old, old stories of, of persecution of Christians in, like, you know, developed nations, you know, where uh, Christianity isn't very common. That's, you know, persecution and, and the attacks on the church and that kind of thing is, is quite common in those areas. But I, I, I believe that even in the Western world, uh, being a Christian, it's actually harder to be a Christian more than it ever has been before in terms of it's just not cool or popular anymore. Has anyone noticed that? Come on now, who, who's noticed that? A third of you. Who, who's actually noticed that? Are we awake here? Right. Okay. Because if you haven't noticed that, maybe you're asleep. Right? It's important, yeah? It, it, but the important thing here is, is this. So it's, it's not necessarily popular. Uh, it's not necessarily uh, 
you know, uh, easier. But in fact, I think more than ever before, it's more important for people to be committed to building the house of God than it ever has been. Why? Because when we're gathered together and we're united and we love each other and we love each other because we port each other behind a common vision, it shows the world that actually God actually really is real. And that this thing called the church will not be shaken. Who knows that, you know, Jesus declared that the gates of hell or the gates of Hades will not prevail, right? Who believes that? So more than ever before, there is a season where uh, there's a transition. Is anyone notice there's a transition right now in leadership across the, the church? There's a lot of still older senior pastors, but there's a lot of younger people now transitioning who are, who are being raised up, who are planning churches or taking over churches. Who's noticed that? Right, So you're seeing now, particularly through social media, starting to see a lot of people who are no longer in their 60s or 50s or even their 40s, but a lot of pastors who are leading churches or planning churches are in their 30s and some even are in their 20s. Now, I'm not saying this is something better with one age than the other, but what I'm saying here is that you and I, as a part of Forever House and what God's doing here, I believe that he's building a model and a blueprint for us to advance the house of God on the earth for such a time as this. Who believes that? So that's our why. Now let's uh, move forward to uh, bringing a little bit of context. Jess, I'm going to get you to move quite quickly with me here. And uh, it's just so I'm conscious of time. <clears throat> so the year to pursue our promise. Um, we've brought a couple of messages uh, at the beginning of this year. We've started with the importance of uh, understanding that God's going to open doors. And, and we've talked about uh, promises. And in a second, I'm going to talk about the context here. But to start here... This is, uh, this is the year. Of any year that we've had, this is our year to pursue our promise. What do I mean by that? I mean that God wants to grow our church. And God wants to grow our church for a couple of key reasons that I'll talk about. But we actually are going to be deliberately focused uh, on growing our church. And uh, 18 months ago, when I went to that CI conference, I talked about the prophetic words that happened six, six or seven years ago. But 18 months ago, when we went to this conference, the same building where we got those two singing prophetic words over us, uh, Sarah and I were at a crossroads. And the crossroads were that most of you are aware that we have a very thriving business uh, that just is continuing to grow. And obviously, we're uh, leading and pioneering this local church here in Brisbane. And the crossroads was a challenging one because it's like the juggling uh, is becoming even more challenging as, as uh, the business is growing. And, and God, what do we do? And he said, go down to the altar, and I'm going to whisper into your ear what you're going to do. Now, one part of it was talking to us about how... Uh, what he was going to do with the business. And that's not necessarily directly relevant for what I'm going to talk about here. But the second part was he directly whispered into my ear and not only whispered, but it went from my ear into my heart and literally was just embedded into my spirit. It became like a, if I could describe spiritually in a physical analogy, it was like a, it just felt like this revelation of God talking to me was like a glowing light bulb that was just getting warmer and warmer and warmer. Like it was a supernatural encounter where God was just embedding this revelation so that he would be confident. I would know that I would know that I would know that it was God talking to me. Who thinks that God works like that, right? When he wants to get your attention, he does. And so as he illuminated this to me, he gave me a specific... Uh, and before I even say this, um, I want you to know that when we started this church, um, because I come from a business place, um, 
we were encouraged to do it organically. We're encouraged by our spiritual leaders to actually not, you know, do a whole full-on launch and do the marketing and get into the marketing because that was the world that I came from. I was encouraged, let's follow the anointing, let's get the culture right, let's focus on the quality, let's not focus on the numbers. So for the first six years, we really actually haven't really seriously focused on growth or anything like that. And so when God spoke to me, he had to get my attention because for the last six years, I had been wired to actually go against even thinking about uh, numerical size. It was all about just the quality, which I think is a good thing. Who thinks it's important to focus on quality rather than quantity, yeah? Uh, but the Lord got my intention and said, now it's time for you to be specifically focusing in this area. It doesn't mean that we're letting go of the other focus, which is the quality, but you have to get focused here. And he said, I'm going to, and he whispered a number. Now, I'm not going to share that number to you. He whispered that to me, but I'm going to share with you uh, the goal this year and how that relates to that number uh, in terms of growth. So when it comes to growth, this is going to be our focus for this year in 2017. I want to go to the next slide. And that is, we've talked a little bit leading up to Vision Sunday that there's two doors of opportunity that are going to be opening, not just for you individually, but also for the church. And those two doors, the first one, thanks Jess, was promotion. Now, when I'm talking about promotion, ironically, I'm not talking about marketing promotion. All right, I'm talking about being promoted, that God is saying in this season that he wants to promote you. Who believes that? He wants to promote you. He wants you to take you to a new level of authority, dominion, wherever you're called to do that, whatever sphere. But he's also saying corporately to us that he wants to promote our church, as in he wants to take us to a new level of dominion, a new level of influence. Who believes that? A new level of impact. He wants our church to become even more mature, to be able to be a church that has greater capacity to influence what we're called to influence. Who believes that? So that's the first door that God is opening in this season that he's asking us to pursue. We talked about that there are some keys to help opening these doors. We talked about dominion mindset, and we talked about having a humble heart. So everything that we're going to do as a church, not just individually, is going to be with a dominion mindset. We're going to pursue it, we're going to go after it, we're going to do it with a humble heart, knowing that we have to rely on God and not going into strive mode and doing it in our own strength. So the first door, corporately, that God wants to open this year, it's related to the vision is that he wants to promote Forever House. He wants Forever House to go to a new level of capacity and influence. That's what he wants to do. Is anyone here excited about that? Okay, good. The next door... And again, this is related to you individually as well, because the way God works is when what he's doing corporately, he's also doing individually. The second thing is, is provision. Now, when it comes to provision, it's, you know, he's going to provide for the vision. And I'm not necessarily just talking about finances here, but I'm talking about providing people and bringing people to our house. I feel like the Lord is going to bring the people, but we have to partner with him, right? Who knows there are Christians out there that believe that you just pray and you ask God, who's like the cruise ship of destiny, just to come in on your port and he just randomly rocks up one day and then the ladders automatically come down and you just walk up and you arrive. Who knows there are Christians who believe that's what faith really is, right? But faith really is, you can hear the cruise ship, you know the cruise ship is coming, you believe the cruise ship is coming, but sometimes God says, now I need you to get in your swimwear and actually dive into the, to the ocean where there's a bit of fog and you're hearing where the cruise ship is and eventually you swim there and you've got to actually, you know, kind of pray and get some energy up and, and kind of, you know, part with God to get on top of the cruise ship and then you might break through and make it happen. Who believes that actually more of alignment to what faith is really like? Faith without works is... 
Good. So faith is not just, let's have a little bit of a, a moment or an idea and it just, poing, it just happens. So we've got to partner with the Lord. So the Lord is going to provide uh, because he wants to promote us as a church. These are these two doors that uh, God is saying are our promises. And also our promise is that God actually wants to increase the size of our church. This is a promise, and this is a promise that we're going to pursue. Okay, the next slide. So the core ingredient is, as a church, not just Sarah and I, but as a church culturally, we have to have a dominion mindset to pursue this vision. What do I mean by a dominion mindset? What does that mean? Someone shout out at me. Having authority, authority, yep. Identity, good. Faith. Confidence, yeah. Good. That's exactly right. So it's like it's fulfilling our design, right? God actually wants us to take dominion. Uh, what about the scripture that talks about the righteous shall take it by? Okay, all right. So there's lots of different angles. And again, I, I've done teaching on dominion. But I'm just saying corporately to us as a church, we actually have to work together in actually pursuing. Let's look at the word pursue. When you pursue something, you take dominion of it, right? You focus on it. You go, this is mine. This promised land is mine. This place or where we're going is mine. And I'm going to, I'm going to take it. I'm, I'm going to go there. We're going to focus and we're going to, we're going to believe God. What's the opposite to a dominion mindset? Defeat, Defeat? good. Victim, Victim. yeah. Flesh, Flesh. Negativity. negativity, fear, doubt, uh, half-heartedness, lukewarm. Yeah, good. All right. So we we're, we're all we're all we all get this. This is cool. Um, so when it comes to the next slide, which is <clears throat> we've got to get this revelation, uh, first of all. Again, I'm going to come to a very specific goal in a, in a, a little bit later. But we've got to get this revelation as a church. Um, and it's not just Sarah and I that have to have the revelation. We have to cast a vision. But everyone has to get on board with the revelation that uh, it's time for us to grow. And in order for us to do that, we have to have a dominion mindset. We have to pursue. We have to go for it. That's what I'm saying. Oh, we have to go for it. We have to set our mind to it and go for it. Right? Cool. Because you know what? We actually really haven't done that before. Have we? We haven't. For those of you who are new, we actually haven't. <laughs> You're like, I don't know. I might talk about this every Sunday. A uh, big part of our culture is balance, so no, we don't. We, we like to have balance, right? Uh, but we've never really gone for it, and so uh, the timing's right. Uh, all these different pieces that God has put into place. You know, I'll be honest with you. It's not easy for me because I, I, I naturally would like things to just go, boing! Right? Let's just nuke it in the microwave. Two minutes. Ding! <laughs> right? It's all right. It'll taste good. Let's go for it. I only took two minutes. But God sometimes doesn't work like that. He wants to cook a nice, beautiful, high-quality stew. It takes a long time. It just has to sit there sometimes and simmer. 
encima, encima. And you're like, oh, I'm so hungry. I really want to like, no, just wait. Not the right time here, just wait. So if I had my way, which, uh, you know, you learn pretty quickly in ministry if you want to actually really connect with God, you actually can't have it your way. <laughs> you learn that pretty, pretty quickly. You've got to have it God's way. But if I had had it my way, I would have been giving you this vision on year one. <laughs> Honestly, what I'm about to release today, I would have given you in year one. But I wasn't allowed to because I had to follow the Holy Spirit. Who thinks that it's good that I'm following the Holy Spirit? Okay. So, next slide. So, Jess, it's important that you don't go to the next slide too quickly. <laughs> this one you can hold back on, right? What we're going to do is we're going to introduce to you quite a unique, unique vision for our church in that we're going to have one wildly important goal that will create absolute focus. What do I mean by one wildly important goal? Well, it's wildly important because we're just going to have one. Okay, you're like, that's deep. (laughs) Wildly important goal. But the reason why we call it a wildly important goal is because it doesn't mean we're just going to do one thing. It means that everything that we have been doing, that we're going to keep doing, like our great music team and our cafe and different our ministry teams and our kids' church team and our, our community projects, right? We're still going to be doing a lot of that stuff. But everything is going to relate. Just so you know, all of, my, all of our leaders and our department leaders, we've already done a whole training with them on this called our WIG our wildly important goal, and they're all on board. So everything they do, even if it's a cafe and catering team, right? They know that everything that they have to do is somehow directly or indirectly going to relate to this one wildly important goal to give us focus. Before we go to the next slide to tell you what that wildly important goal is, I want to share some history with you. He, who here has heard of John F. Kennedy? Okay, U.S. president that unfortunately was assassinated. He was quite a revolutionary uh, president and ruffled a lot of feathers, and that's really the main reason, without going into a lot of detail, why he was assassinated. And uh, he had a very similar principle that he applied to the United Nation, to the United States as a nation to have a, a goal and to focus on it. And what I'm doing is I'm talking about the space age. See, up until JFK, Americans and the Russians were both very, very eager to to win the battle of being the most, uh, you know, uh, successful people in space. Did you know that the Russians actually beat the Americans into space? Did you know that? Thank you. We have our resident American. Let's give him a round of applause. Thank you, Walter. He keeps me in check with the American stats, right? Twice. So... JFK knew, and this was the Cold War era, right, that for, for America to be everything that it was going to be, he felt that it was important as a nation at that time that the, 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 the nation had to focus a lot better than it had been before in their goals around the space age. 
And what he noticed was, was that as a nation or even as a government, as a team, as an organization, whatever you want to call it, they had goals in relation to the space age. They knew what they wanted to do. They knew what they wanted to achieve. But they lacked the clarity and the singular focus on one wildly important goal that was preventing them from breaking through and becoming everything that they were called to be in that era, in that particular sphere called space age. So what he did was he enlisted a principle that actually is biblical. So if you look at Habakkuk, it says, write it down, make it as clear as you possibly can so that you can run with it. Who's read that scripture in Habakkuk, right? Make it so clear that you can run with it, pursue it, focus, not distracted. Make it so clear. So he actually took that biblical principle and he said, what we have to do is we have to push all these things that we want to do, 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 do. And we have to first define clearly what is our wildly important goal. And so this was what he, in a speech, declared over the nation was for that season going to be the wildly important goal in order to help them as a nation to achieve that. He said this, I believe this nation should commit itself to achieve the goal that before this decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to earth. Now, when I'm reading that out, what has JFK done? He's actually used a principle called X, where we are now, to Y, where we want to get to, by when. And he made it very, very, very specific. And he did it deliberately. Because what he was trying to eradicate was there was a whole lot of effort and a whole lot of focus, but actually there wasn't necessarily the the level of fruit in that season coming from a whole lot of effort and a whole lot of focus. Because it wasn't singly focused enough. Is this making sense? And so what I'm presenting to you today is actually related to biblical principle and how to help us as a team. Who believes we're a team? Who believes we're a family? Who believes that with the Holy Spirit we're like a Holy Spirit organism? Right? Kind of like all these cells creating like a, a moving part called the body of Christ, right? So I want to now go through what our wildly important goal is. And what you're going to see is you're going to see it's kind of pretty much X, and it's about growth. It's about numerical growth because God has said, Brad, Sarah, I'm telling you, you have to do this. As in not that we have to, but as in we have to bring this vision. We have to go for it. We have to be singly focused and we have to go there. We have to go where we've never gone before. Right? Linking to the Armstrong link. So what I'm about to do is I'm about to actually give you such a specific goal that's very unique and we've never done before. But I'm excited because the Lord's told me I have to do it. (laughs) Who's excited with me? Good. All right. Now, what I love about this goal is that... We're going to look at where we are realistically, and we're going to look at where we want to be realistically by the end of the year. For some people, it might be, wow, that's a bit of a challenge, a bit of a stretch. But what I like is we've prayed about it, and it's not a crazy goal, but it's important that we focus on it. So, Jess, you can put up that next slide. 
All right, so this is our wildly important goal. For those of you who don't know, uh, we have for quite a while consistently had, on average, 60 adults attend our Sunday service consistently, right? Now, we have more uh, members than that. Probably in terms of our church members, we have between, what, 80 to 90 members, okay? And that's accounting for when some people decide to move on from being a planet for a house, then we have new people that come in, become members. So we have 80 to 90 members. But um, as you may have heard me talk about before, not everyone comes to church every Sunday. And that's just that's just what happens, right? So uh, we've got people who go away for the weekend or family or whatever, right? So for a good while, a good couple of years, we've had this uh, congregation size of 60 adults. Now, in terms of kids, sometimes we used to have kids in a little bit. And so we're not including the kids in this, but the kids naturally, usually uh, the numbers will have a specific goal for our kids' church. Um, but the kids' uh, numbers will grow as we naturally bring in more adults because families come with more adults and obviously kids come with adults. Now, when we're talking about adults, so everyone's clear, we're talking about people who are pretty much 13 up. So we're including the teenagers in this number, okay? We know that they're not actual legal adults, they're teenagers. But just for this particular understanding, because all of our teenagers on a Sunday morning, they don't go to a teenagers program, they sit in here. We encourage our teenagers to come in here on a Friday night for Forever Young. They go to their youth program on a Friday night, but we encourage our teenagers to come in and sit here with our main congregation. Anyone that's 12 or under will go into our kids program. So our wildly important goal for this year is to go from 60 adults to 100 adults attending consistently. So that's attending consistently, not members. And I want you to think about by December 2017, so by the end of this year, pretty much. Now, when you think about it, that means um, if you take 60 uh, adults and then you take 20 of those, which is the third, and you add that on, that's 80. Then you take another 20 and then that's 100, right? So think of it this way. We've got 60 adults here approximately right now, right? We take a third We add that, and then we take that same amount, and we add that again. That is our focus in terms of what we want to do as a church. That is our wildly important goal. Now, let me say this to you. Uh, That is a goal that has come to us. We have prayed. We have sought the Lord. We have gotten on our hands and knees, and we said, God, what is it that you want us to focus on in 2017? That is a direction from heaven. Is there anyone on here who's excited about that? Good. Let's get, first of all, let's just honor God with what He's saying to us. Okay, now, so that's specifically the wildly important goal. Now, now what we're going to do is we're going to talk about some strategic keys about, you know, as a church, how we're going to work together uh, to make this happen. So I want to talk about the next slide which is a really, really important uh, philosophy around and behind supporting the vision for 2017. And that is the heart, head, and hands focus. And that is with these three things, as the body of Christ, as the army of the Lord, as a living church, as a people of God together, there are three main things of ourselves that we have to activate to be able to mobilize us as a team to help to pursue the vision that God is calling us to pursue. We have to activate our heart, we have to activate our head, and we have to activate our hands. 
And so let's first of all talk about the heart factor. <coughs> I want to start with this heart factor in that one thing that probably led us to coming uh, to this specific focus, one of the heart factors for me personally I wanted to start sharing with you um, is for a lot of you, you know that my dad passed away in August last year. And uh, one of the positives that came from dad uh, passing was that God was able to get my attention in a way that maybe he hadn't got my attention for the last year or so. And so that was a positive that I took out of it. And what God, what God did in that moment um, is that he, in a fresh way, reminded me, it's not like I'd lost the revelation, but he reminded me this, that people matter. People matter. People matter to God so much. Can I get everyone to say people matter? People matter to God. So much that he started to say, we need to pursue people. As in, we need to pursue people because people are important to God. People matter. Are we focusing on pursuing people and bringing them into the house? People matter. I just kind of kept running through my, my ears. People matter, my heart. People matter, people matter, people matter. You know, God cares about the one in the trillion. He cares about every single one. And when I talk about the one that he cares about, I'm not just talking about the unchurched. So the unchurched are people who don't know Christ. He cares about them. He loves them. He died for them. He wants us to pursue them. What do I mean by pursue them? He wants us to reach out and he wants us to grab a hold of them and bring them into the kingdom of life. Who believes that? Yeah. Right? But I'm also talking about that we're talking about the overchurched. Who knows there are people who are overchurch? Right? So God's not just calling us to pursue the unchurched, but he's also calling us to pursue the overchurched. Right? He's also calling us to pursue the underprivileged. He's also calling us to pursue the overprivileged. Who sometimes are just as spiritually bankrupt. You know, when we, when we look at Scripture, and I want to look at uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 1 to 11. Jesus commands us to grow his church he commands us and in this story in Luke where he asks these men to launch out into the, the deep and he gets them to launch out into the deep and step out by faith and he gets them he forces them and, and encourages them to be uncomfortable to shift their faith and then to give them direction. And I want to read this scripture here. Chapter 5, Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. So once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, I knew I'd pronounce that correctly, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. Now what's important about this story is that this is stories happening at the beginning of his ministry. Right? So it's an important season for him. The fishermen had gone out of 
had gone out of them and were washing their nets. The fishermen had left the boats and were washing their nets. They were done for the day. They hadn't had a, had a successful uh, day at all. There wasn't much out there. In fact, there was very little f- fish that they'd caught. He got into one of the boats. This is Jesus, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him, asked Simon to put out the boat a little way from the shore. And then he sat down and he taught the crowds from the boat. And when he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. And this is Simon's response. Listen to this. Master, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. That's how many fish they were catching. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. So we had this revelation. This guy is a miracle man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, son of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And then Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. Other interpretations, you will be fishers of men. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. Church, this is our season to fish. This is our season to fish. Will it be our only season? I don't think so. I'm just saying 2017, this is our season to fish. And like this story, it's going to take a pursuing heart. It's going to take a heart factor. It's going to take focus. It's going to take commitment. It's going to take a dominion mindset. It's going to take you and I being united behind this wildly important goal that God says to you and I, hey church, if you are the church, be awakened to the fact that people matter to me. And if people matter to me and I'm your God, then I want you to pursue people and take them out of the kingdom of darkness or out of that depressive cloud or out of that disconnection from the local church and bring them back into the house of God. This is our season to fish. We know in Matthew, go out into all the world and make disciples. Notice it doesn't just say, go out into all the world. It says, and make disciples. How do you make disciples? You've actually got to get people planted in a local church. That's why the local church is important. It's great to have conferences. It's great to have para ministries. They're all supporters to the kingdom of God. But the local church is the vehicle on the earth that Jesus has birthed in order for us. Can I tell you why? A lot of people go, oh, but it's all about body Christ. Yes, but discipleship means discipline. Discipline means accountability. Accountability means nurturing, loving, and also guiding, correcting, helping, assisting, praying for, encouraging, mentoring, coaching. You can't do that if people are just floating all around and they're not knitted into a consistent community. Come on now. If you're not a part of a consistent community, how can you actually partake in all of those ingredients required for healthy discipleship? And we're not called just to go out, full stop, exclamation mark. We're called to go out and to make disciples. We're called to go out into whatever we're supposed to do with the heartbeat to invite people 
into the house of God. They may encounter God outside of the house of God. doesn't mean they have to encounter God here. We can witness to them. We can pray for them. We can lead to the Lord out there. We can bring them to a conference, do an awkward. We lead them, Lord, here. But at the end of the day, whatever we're doing, we've got to invite. We've got to be forever house is called to be an open house. We're opening this house up and we're inviting people in. I declare before you, this is an open house. To make disciples, there has to be a revelation of the importance of planting people. Winning, yes, but also planting. Winning is not just enough because the scriptures talk clearly that the seed, the revelation of Jesus Christ will get into someone's heart and change them. But then the warriors of the world, the different things, the rocks, the seed falls in different places. That You've got to bring them into the house of God to be able to counteract the strategies of the enemy, to be able to protect them, nurture them, guide them, pray for them, love them. So that they can continue to strengthen their walk. And then they can stand up on their own two feet. And they can shift from milk to meat. And then they can start to also be ministered themselves. And they start to reproduce and bring others in. Or minister to others. Or be activated in whatever they're called to do. Now let me say this. I know that most of you are not new to this. You get this. You've read your Bibles. But the Lord's saying we need to freshly awaken to this. Because this is what we're called to do, to enter our promises, to take dominion. There's an awakening of our hearts. This is the heart, the heart factor. That people matter, church. People matter. People matter. We're going to pursue people. See, in the scripture here, it's not in our own strength. The Lord says, position yourself. Get on board, pursue, but I'll do the miracle. So yes, we have to partner with all. They had to get uncomfortable. They just, you know, they had a whole season. Like, let's say that that, that whole day was like all of 2016. Oh, okay, well, we've, we, we've done church and we, we worked and we served. And, and now the pastor's, you know, encouraging us to, you know, kind of singly focus and go out in the deep. And, and we want to go from 60 to 100. Well, in a way, it's kind of like Jesus' kind of voice has spoken in my heart. I'm just the messenger of the messenger of the shepherd saying, you know what? We just need to position ourselves and we have to get behind this vision. We have to have one, one wildly important goal. We're going to talk about how we're going to do that. But it's about getting behind it. So it wasn't in our own strength, it wasn't in their own strength, but obey the Lord's command, step out, get uncomfortable, go out into the deep water and watch to see what I will do when you step out by faith. The other thing about the heart factor is, you know, why is this important? Why is this timely? Because the heart is always related to the why. God wants to promote our church in capacity and influence. And... Let's all have a reality check. We need to build greater capacity for this church to impact this city for Jesus. We actually need, think about this. Now, I know there's definitely a focus on quality. I'm all about quality. But more than ever before, we've got to realize that 100 hearts, heads and hands activated and mobilized is going to have greater capacity influence than 60. Come on now. And then the hundred that are activated can then grow to the next level and so on. So it actually is a lack of wisdom if you're all about quality and you don't actually put any importance or priority on the principles of quantity. 
God wants to promote our church in capacity and influence. We need to build greater capacity for this church to impact this city for Jesus. More hearts, heads and hands, a bigger family, team and army to impact this city for Brisbane. God's saying it's time to shift that to that next level. Also, another strategic key in why. Why, 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 why? Why is God bringing this? Because... The God is actually saying to us, we have to build a greater home base to be able to plant future forever houses in other cities. And that's been, there's been so many prophetic words. It's a promise over our church to have other forever houses in other cities. So we have to be able to create some type of model here for leaders who eventually will be sent out of here to plant other churches of actually how to grow a church. And if we don't focus on it here, how are we creating a future model for other ministers to be sent out of here apostolically to plant other churches? Come on now. Come on. This is the home base where they're going to learn that so that they can model themselves off it. They can see it. They'll have the faith and capacity to be able to plant a church because they've seen an army mobilized from 60 to 100. And they can see that God moves when the people focus and unite behind the vision. Another part of the heart factor, the next slide, is I want to introduce, this, uh, this is our newly defined culture. Now, you know how in that cafe, we've got our mission, we've got our vision, we've got our values. You know, Sarah has to hold me back. I think I just want to have canvases everywhere right now. No. <laughs> but again, we're, we're getting more specific because it's a biblical principle. To write it down, make it clear, so it empowers people to run with it. And so I want to share with you, uh, our culture that's just going to be defined in a new specific way. And I'm actually going to be calling this our pursue culture. It's our culture that helps us to unite and it's going to be a strategic key. The culture of our church, understanding how we want to operate together is going to be a strategic key to help us to pursue this vision for 2017 and beyond. And so there are, this pursue culture is going to be four main attributes of our culture. The first thing is that we're called to be personable. What do I mean by that? That we're an open house and that we're personable. What is it about when someone's personable? What does that mean? That they actually like people? That they actually like the idea of going, oh, hi, how are you? Hi, I haven't seen you before. What's your name? Jason, I'm Brad. Nice to meet you. So is this your first time here? That's personable. Who knows that Jesus was personable? Come on now. Who knows that your Christianity is not defined by your personality? It's defined by the anointing that's activated within you to break through any barriers or limitations of your personality. Right? I mean, when you get to heaven and you meet Jesus face to face, do you expect him to be like this? going to be personable and if he's going to be personal in your home called heaven does he want you and i to be personable in his in his house called the church come on personable right personable our church is personable but i think we could be more personable 
to be honest. Right? If I was to talk about personality a little bit, I think our church is a bit phlegmatic. Do you know what I mean by phlegmatic? Laid back. Easy. Now, I like that. But I like it too much. Right? It's kind of like, hey. Whereas we probably need to be a little bit more sanguine. Right? Now, some people here who aren't naturally sanguine might be going, and slightly manifesting on the inside. And that's okay, because watch this. Primarily, Jesus will always call you to be yourself and to always stay within your authenticity zone. So it doesn't mean I'm going to suggest our culture is going to be like, Hi, my name's Brad. Welcome to forever. Okay, now if you are like that, that's great. God bless you. We'll probably have to do some training just to rein it down a little, right? But if you're not naturally the outgoing person, I'm not saying you have to be someone that you're not to be able to fit on. I'm just saying generally as a team, we need to work to have an open heart and an open house and be warm and engaging and personable to reflect Christ. Who believes that? Second thing is, is positive. And what I mean by positive is, is that we're called to impact people with the good news called the gospel. Right, And so if we're living testimonies of the good news, do you think that we should kind of be making out that we're, we're thinking we've got good news in our life instead of talking about everything that sucks? <laughs> right? So positive. Our culture is going to be positive. Speaking life, full of life, encouraging, personable, positive, passionate. All the introverts are just squirming right now. I'll pray for you later. We'll have a room ministering to you. Passionate. It's like, okay, for you, Pastor Brad, you get to write this down. Passionate. Passionate. Watch this. We're personable. We want to invite people. We want to welcome people. We are positive. We're encouraging. We're upbeat. We're passionate about the house of God. So it means we get involved. We help out. And we encourage other people to get involved because we're passionate about the house of God. And we're purposeful knowing that we're the church, not just today from 10 to 12, but we're the church seven days a week. We are purposeful. We're out there. We're influencing. We come in here as saints to be empowered with the word of God, be ministered to so we can go out there and we can influence the world for Christ seven days a week. We're purposeful. So one of the strategic keys is for all of us to be examples of living out this culture. Who thinks that that's important? The heart factor. Let's move to the head factor. The heart factor was why. The head factor is how and now. Sorry, what and now. So I want to share this with you. Proverbs 11.30 says this, The fruit of the uncompromisingly righteous is a tree of life, and he who is wise, everyone say wise, captures human lives for God as a fisher of men. He gathers and receives them for eternity. Shorter versions say that fruitfulness comes from people who are righteous and that the wise are the people that win souls. Basically, it's saying that it takes wisdom to win souls. So we're going to apply wisdom 
to how we're going to go from 60 to 100. And the wisdom is here. We have, and you can see already, we're going to be very, very clear. Uh, where are we going? You know, when there's a lack of vision, uh, people get bored. People get demotivated. People are like, oh, ho-hum, what are we doing here? What's this all about? Okay, what are we doing here? What's this all about? For the next 12 months, it's all about doing everything related to the wildly important goal of going from 60 to 100 adults consistently attending a Sunday service by the end of the year. Very clear. Being clear. Everyone say clear. So we're going to be clear. We're going to be focused. Never notice that today with Facebook, when you RSVP to a party, most people don't say yes, they say maybe. Because they're always wondering, well, I don't really really commit to that because if something else better comes up, then I've got that that I can do. Right? Do you know that sometimes people are like that when it comes to the house of God? Uh, I might go to the house of God on Sunday, but, you know, I might have something else better come up. So I'll just, I'll just wait and see. Right? We have to be focused. We have to be focused. We have to be following one course until it's successful. Focused. We're going to block out the noise. Oh, maybe should we do this? And maybe we should do that? And we should, you know, you know, should we do this during worship? We should have this and we should do this. All of that is going to still happen, but it's everything about supporting the one key focus of actually building our congregation for 12 months. It's going to be be focused, be organized. We're going to be organized. For those of you who don't know, our department leaders received the whole 12-month calendar in advance two weeks in by January, and hopefully, I'm sure, because they're all leaders, they have that in their diary. Amen. But all of our leaders know everything, every single event, everything is happening from now right through to New Year's Eve, okay? And then they're going to pass it on to the teams. We've never done that before, okay? So we're going to be more organized as a church than ever before. For those people who are naturally disorganized, it's okay. We're going to do it together. See my smile? Together. (laughs) We won't let you struggle in the corner by yourself. And, you know, what I like about this being organized is keep the main thing the main thing. We're going to keep the main thing the main thing. Uh, next one is be brave. I think in life, in whatever we're doing at times, we can all at times fall into this pitfall of holding something back. Not being all in. Not being really committed. Not having... Um, a healthy disregard for the impossible. Uh-huh. And so we've got to be brave. And by focusing in on this one goal, it's going to help us. I think it's going to really help us to shift a couple of things in terms of I believe God's saying this in relation to being brave. 
that this year we're shifting from being a dream house to being an action house. We're shifting from hoping to doing and we're shifting from believing to seeing. So we're going to be brave. Who believes that? And, you know, like, unlike last year where I said all the different things that we're going to do through all the different departments, our department leaders are on fire right now. They're very focused. We're having another meeting with them this afternoon. And so whatever team that you're involved in and you participate here at church, you'll be informed over the next little while about um, how the focus of every department and team and ministry here at our church is going to be related to this one wildly important goal. But, I mean, there's amazing things that we're doing. Even our admin team, um, uh, our website's being finalized at the moment. Uh, You know, when you want something good, it always takes a little bit of a long time. Uh, We're going to, you know, be doing some practical things. So when it comes to the head factor... Um, the head factor is important in terms of we're going to do some practical things. We're going to be actually doing marketing. We've never done marketing before. So it's not just going to be about getting you people, you know, getting all of our church to invite uh, people to our church, but we're actually going to be letting the community know about Forever House. We've never really done any marketing before. We're going to uh, be doing a revolutionary marketing program that's cutting edge, um, and we're going to go for it. We're going to pursue it, and we're going to, you know, it's all the green light. We've never done anything like that before. Uh, but this is the year that God's saying, this, I, would, I need you to go for it. It's time. Take dominion. Go for it. You have permission. So we're just going to run with it. Um, everything that we're doing in, in the music and the, and the creative team with audiovisual is all about you know, taking it to the next level. But with the cafe and catering team, I mean, who's seen the new kitchen? It's only half the way there. We've still got, you know, but we've got a whole new servery there. We want to have that so a big part of, of the heartbeat of our church and, and, and feeding people and loving people and having complimentary lunch every Sunday. From the kids' church team, we've already got our two characters. We're going to have two live characters in our kids' church. One's going to be a lion and one's going to be an eagle. They're going to be a, like a human-sized character that you'd see at Dreamworld. Um, they won't talk. <laughs> They're going to have names. Um, and we're going to let the community know about these characters. And there's going to be a story behind the characters. And there's going to be, it's going to be part of the kids' worship. Um, with the events team under Thomas and Sandy's leadership, everything is about being, being streamlined. So there's order in the house. And we're running everything. Um, you know, the ministry team, Dallas is going to be doing specific training with the prayer and ministry team on how to minister, but how to do it with wisdom, how to make sure that you know, uh, when we're ministering the Holy Spirit, we're doing it with excellence. And uh, there's just so many things that we're focusing on in every department. It's all going to be related to this one wildly important goal about building our capacity. Another important initiative is we've got Chris Mercer, who's heading up a new department called the People Connection Department. He's going to be working one day a week uh, from midday to the afternoon, actually calling all of our new visitors and actually uh, meeting with them, organizing a one-on-one, having a conversation about their goals and their dreams and what they look for in a, in, in a church and recommending different things that they can get plugged into to really help once you know, you're working hard to invite people here and uh, they fill out connect cards, and he's going to, you know, he's just got such a gift to relate with people. He's just got such a sweet spirit about himself. I mean, this is just an anointing on his life, just to love on people and to see them getting planted in the house of God. So, I mean, I could spend the whole time about all the initiatives. We're going to be rolling that out over the next couple of months, but importantly, in this uh, in this this sermon or this message today, it's more about I need you to catch the heartbeat of why uh, why are we, we doing what we're doing? And so there is going to be a head factor. It's not just about praying. We're going to have prayer specifically. 
um, about the community and praying. And there's a whole spiritual side to this. We understand that. But we want you to know that there's also going to be a strategy and there's going to be a headspace and there's going to be pre-planning and preparation. And so it's not just a heart factor, but it's also going to be a head factor. And so when you participate and you work with your leaders and your teams and the departments and whatever ministry you're involved in here, I want you to get behind your leader. If there's any new initiatives or we're going to make adjustments or changes to thing, it's all going to be because... We feel the Holy Spirit is saying we need to fine-tune here. We may need to make an adjustment here. We need to do this differently in relation to this wildly important goal that the Lord has given us. So that's the head factor. I want to finish with the hand factor. I'm going to ask the, the musos just to come. Just um, a couple of them is fine to finish off. The hand factor is where the heart is, well, why are we doing this? Where the, the head is, well, what are we doing and how are we doing it? The hands is really, well, who's doing it and when are we doing it? And this one's easy. Who's doing it? Everyone. We want everyone to participate in this vision. And when are we doing it? We're doing it now. It's like, let's go. And so how can we have everyone activated and getting involved now? Well, there's a couple of things. And that is, we'd like to see people get involved. Um, one thing that I have huge respect for, and I love about our church, but I'd like to see change, is that 80% of the people, sorry, 20% of the people do, 20% of our people do 80% of the work. have a lot of people come and they're like but for whatever reason they they don't want to participate now we're going to look at ways to help them improve all of that but what you can do is if you are a part of a team and you are serving we're encouraging you to help us to build a culture of let's get involved of God for a moment maybe a hotel for some or maybe a hospital for others but long term the house of God should be your home and where your home is your heart should be and if your heart's there you should help when Sarah and I have guests over to our home I want you to listen in on this because I'm sharing you something very private about our personal home right now when we have guests over to our home guests like you'd have guests to a hotel Sarah will cook up she'll make the table beautiful she will work have everything beautiful and excellent so when they come in, they wow, wow, this is this is special. This is nice, and she's great. She'll, I'll go, honey, I'm not, I'm not domestically gifted, but just give me orders. Just tell me what to do, and I'll do it. Vacuum, sweep. But she's a master of hospi- hospitality. 
She's the master of it. She's a great wife, great mom. She's a great homemaker. That's one of her primary gifts. She's an amazing homemaker. And when guests come in to our home, we finish the meal. And most guests, unless they absolutely full on push and assist, she'll say, no, 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 don't get up. Don't get up. Just sit, relax. I'll get it. But I want to share this with you. When all of our leaders come to our home, there's no hesitation for them to help. We don't even have to ask. In fact, most times we have our leaders over, the dishes are done before everyone's gone. Everything's clear, everything's back to order. And I'll tell you why. Because they know that when they come into our home, that yes, they're a guest, but they're actually a member of our family. And because of that, they, out of that heart, want to contribute. In any way. See, the way the church is designed is one person is not supposed to do everything. But everybody can do something. Now I know there may be some people here and you've only been here for a couple of weeks. And do you know what? We freely give you permission. You may still be in hotel mode and that's completely okay because you're still wondering, well, is this the right place for me? So you can breathe in. You can breathe out. Because you're still in decision mode, and that's completely okay. We totally get that. But for those of you who call this place home, get this. Most people are involved. That's actually why we probably need some more people. Help out. <laughs> but also, when you have this culture, see, when we have our leaders over, I notice. When one gets up, then the other gets up, then the next person gets up. And when there was a table of 12 people sitting, it's just a couple people left because everyone's encouraging everyone to help, to get involved. The other thing too is besides being involved, the hand factor is we've got to be invitational church. We've got to be invitational. What does that mean? We've got to invite people to our home. You can invite people to your home. What home am I talking about? Am I talking about necessarily your home? Well, yeah, that could be it. Put up your hand if this is your spiritual home. Okay, put your hands down. We're going to invite people to come and check out our spiritual home. Unchurched, overchurched, underprivileged, overprivileged.
You know, I was praying to the Lord. He said, um, encourage the church by just giving them one example. Because sometimes people aren't really sure where to start. Do you know the example that he told me to give? Is what better way to talk about life and witness to someone than your hairdresser or your barber? There's a good friend of mine, Brian Andrew. He's preached a couple of times here, Pastor Brian Andrew. I think he's invited something like 17 hairdressers over his lifetime to church. Seven of them are Christians today. Going back to when my dad passed in August, people matter. People matter to God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this exciting, exciting journey that you're taking us on. We thank you, Lord, that life is too short. to live in regret or to not be excited and passionate about this cause, this cause of Christ. God, we ask you this morning to illuminate and to excite and activate and awaken this vision in our hearts, in our heads, and in our hands. your reign, God. Lord, where your word and where your inspiration has been seed, it's gone into people's hearts, Lord, now just pour out your rain. Let it rain. Lord, rain on your people. we're going to make people matter to us. Father, as a church, we look to you. We thank you that you're with us, that you're for us. And Lord, we commit to moving forward with you in this year. 
And we thank you, Lord, that you're going to help us to grow this amazing church. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Let's just thank God here. Thank you.